earlier this year, I made a bold prediction. I said that by the end of calendar year 2022, the Haiku operating system would be viable for daily use in production by me and by a lot of other people too. And here we are (laughs) at the beginning of December and it just happened. Uh, This is the Lunduke Journal podcast for the year of our Lord 2022. I, of course, am Mr. Lunduke. This is a pretty exciting thing. Uh, I mean, super exciting. I have no formal ties with the Haiku project. It's a great project, open source, re-implementation of the B operating system. It's a beautiful, beautiful system. And I've been following it and tracking it and watching it and testing it out regularly for years now. For years and years, I've had developers of of the project on my show. We've talked about it. I've geeked out about it. It's, it's amazing. And earlier this year, I want to say it was around February or so. I could be a little off on that. I predicted that by the end of this year, Haiku would be viable for daily use for a good number of people, maybe not for everybody, because there's always there's always some piece of software or, or some some support that you need in a in an operating system to make it viable for you. Right. Everyone's needs are different. But for a lot of us, myself included, I predicted that I would be able to do my job every day on Haiku. And it's happened now let, uh, backing up a little bit here. Earlier, let's see, last month, it was the beginning of November, we did Haiku Week here at the Lunduke Journal. And that gave us a chance to just immerse ourselves in everything Haiku. People tried installing it on bare metal hardware and every different virtualization platform under the sun. Try out the the currently existing beta, which is beta 3, which is a little old now. The nightly builds and beta 4, which isn't even released yet, but is kind of in this perpetual could be released any day now sort of state and has been for about the last month. Um, So we've been trying out different versions of it and installing just about every piece of software we could find and the experiences of people within the Lunduke Journal community were to put it mildly mixed some people had an easy time with it it installed flawlessly on their hardware it installed flawlessly in their virtual machines it ran fast it had everything they needed and they had a great time other people couldn't get the darn thing to boot on the hardware they owned most people were somewhere in the middle the, you know, the system booted well, the performance was good, but they didn't have network support or their their sound didn't work. Or for some people on certain laptops, their touchpad mouse just wouldn't work, right? There was things all over the map. But the number one problem, because most of those things are hardware compatibility things, right? And you can put those off to the side by saying, well, Let's not worry about that for viability because we could say, you know what? Hardware compatibility issues is even worse for Mac OS, right? The total number of, of laptops, for example, that you can go out and get right now that support Haiku out of the box that, I mean, not support support, but will run with Wi-Fi and Ethernet and sound and everything works, or at least most things work, enough things work. It, it, there's a larger number than what you would get on macOS because macOS is built just for Apple hardware, right? So realistically, 
the hardware support becomes a non-issue because the hardware support is enough that if you were to say, I want Haiku, you'd get hardware specifically for Haiku. And that can be used or, or new. So put that off to the side for a moment. Besides hardware issues, the number one problem that came up over and over again is an obvious one, a ridiculously obvious one, web browsers. The web browser problem that Haiku faced was not insignificant. There were a number, as of early last month, of web browsers. And some of them were very promising and could do quite a lot. But none of them were ready for daily hardcore production use. Uh, there was one called Falcon, which is based on Qt, uh, that performed well in that it l worked with most of the websites people needed, but, but did not perform well in that it was sluggish as heck and crashed all the time. <laughs> you know, you just got to call it like it is sometimes. But it was able to kind of putz along. I was able to load up my locals website, load up, load up my Substack website, and make it essentially work. But it crashed regularly, had problems occasionally with uploading files. Uh, the performance was sluggish to say the least. It was real, real pokey, which stands out like a sore thumb on Haiku. Because in Haiku, man, if you're running that on bare metal hardware, that system screams. If you've only ever run haiku in a virtual machine you really you really don't have the haiku experience there's something that happens when you run it on bare metal hardware it is like greased lightning it is so ridiculously fast and and when you have a web browser that putzes along like slightly frozen molasses when everything else on your system is crazy fast, man, does it stick out and just, it's like, it's like shoving splinters and toothpicks under your nails. It's just, it drives you crazy. And of course it crashed all the time. But then, then something happened this last week. A beautiful, beautiful engineer finished their port, well, finished in air quotes, <laughs> of Gnome Web to Haiku. Gnome Web is also known as Epiphany. It's a web browser from over on the Linux and GNOME side of things, and it is it is very, very mature. It's not, you know, it's not Firefox, it's you know, based around all the all the you know web kitty type stuff, but it runs great. It's a great, powerful web browser. And what's really cool about this is it's actually running using Wayland. Right? There's a Wayland compatibility layer now. In, uh, that's available for Haiku. So you can run an application built for Linux, built to use the Wayland as the compositor under Haiku. Super cool. Just like you can do X11 uh, and, and GNOME type applications and X11 Qt applications over on, over on Haiku as well. But now you can do the same with Wayland, which is what GNOME Web uses. But what, what really is cool about this, A... It's pretty fast. It's not grease lightning fast like the rest of the system, but it's, but it's way faster than, say, the existing uh, web browser options under Haiku. It doesn't crash all the time. <laughs> I, I'm going to put, put a little emphasis on all the time because I did have it crash a couple times. <laughs> but it doesn't crash often. 
And I, I really put it through its paces. But even more importantly, it was stable enough and it functioned on every single website I needed it to. I was able to uh, author in in Substack all my articles. I was able to author stuff over on Locals, upload podcasts and pictures and files, and I was able to do everything I need to do for my day-to-day job just fine right there, right from Haiku. Yeah, baby. Which means that the one remaining show-stopping blocker issue that would keep me from using Haiku full-time is no longer a problem. Sure, there's some there's room for improvement, but that's okay. It's now functional, and it's functional well enough. If it didn't get any better, it would be good enough to make it, to to make do and make it work for my day-to-day working life. Awesome. It is very, very close to the end of the year. My prediction was end of this year, and it is, as of this recording, it's December 9th. Woohoo! I was cutting it a little bit close. So what I would like to see, fingers crossed, if before January 1st hits, if Haiku Beta 4 gets released, because it's, I've been running the Beta 4 kind of blessed builds, which you can, which you, you can upgrade your Beta 3 or Nightlies for Haiku to Beta 4. I have some instructions on the Haiku Week uh, post over on Substack, on lunduk.substack.com. If you'd like instructions on how to, from the command line, upgrade your Beta 3 to Beta 4 and just run the latest Beta kind of release candidate style builds of Beta 4. Um, but I've been running those for a while now, and it is just fantastic. Now, what's really cool, what's really cool, and a lot of people don't don't know that this is available, but I feel like people need to know about this. So Haiku uses like the free BSD Wi-Fi drivers, right? That's pretty limiting. I mean, I mean, it is that that with most laptops you're going to get, that's going to be probably your primary stumbling block is getting online with Haiku. The, 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 the networking stack is great. Once you get a decent Wi-Fi driver. Well, there's also the ability to plug in via USB your smartphone and use that and use the internet over that. Basically, it emulates like a like an almost like an Ethernet card and uses your phone's tethering. So you can plug it in and you don't even need to have functioning Wi-Fi. If you've got a, a phone that's supported, which I don't know that they really have a list of all the supported phones, but like a lot of Android phones are supported. Plug that in and you've got now networking through your phone. Pretty sweet. Pretty friggin' sweet. So that, so like, for example, I have a Surface Go. A Microsoft Surface Go, a cheap little tablet with a removable keyboard, right? I've been running Linux on it forever since I got it. You know, it's it's a fun, long battery life, lightweight little machine. And it runs Haiku beautifully, except for the Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi chip is just a no-go under Haiku. But I plug in a little, it has a little USB-C port. So I did a little USB-C to a USB-A adapter and then plugged in my phone. Boom. I go into the network settings in Haiku and select the, the phone tethering. Boom. Done. I've got internet. Yeah, baby. 
It's fantastic. And my, my, you know, my phone's got an unlimited hotspot option because I that's important for for me and the way I live kind of in a mobile way anyway and there I go I'm 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 up and online with haiku fantastically well wherever I am it's it's pretty remarkable it's pretty remarkable what they've accomplished with this system now are most people going to be able to use haiku every day probably not but a lot of us can now a lot of us now have not only supported hardware, but we now have a good web browser, and that was the last thing we needed. Now, see, I also have GIMP, which I use daily, LibreOffice, which I use regularly, not daily so much all the time, and a wide variety of the KDE, K-Desktop, Qt-based Office tools are also available. Which realistically means if you are doing anything other than heavily 3d accelerated work on linux you can probably do your day-to-day job on haiku now that's so cool that's so cool that we're at that point i mean that's that's awesome it just having that as a as a viable option is fantastic and what's, what's beautiful, what's beautiful about all this is not only does that mean that we have one additional very viable alternative operating system that is un- truly unique and different than the other ones. It's different than Windows. It's not the same as Mac. It's not the same as Linux or FreeBSD. It's its own beast. I mean, yes, it has a level of POSIX compliance, but outside of that, it is its own thing. And not only do we have that going on, But coming and nipping at its heels is Serenity OS. And it's not there yet. It's not ready to be a daily driver yet. But man, is it getting closer and closer. Their web browser is, Ladybird is improving almost every day. I try it out regularly and am continually impressed with how how far it's come. Uh, just, Just so you know, like if I was using Ladybird web browser, I could not do my day to day job with it. I has problems with Substack and locals and many, many other websites I use. But every time I try it, it gets a little bit closer, right? Visually, it starts looking a little better. I can the the login process works a little bit better. the The rich text formatting works a little bit better. Lots of things to work out. Lots of issues remaining, but the progress is stellar. So I expect in relatively short order order over the coming months, maybe even by early this coming spring, we will see a point where Serenity OS is viable, assuming you have it on on hardware that, that works with it. Serenity OS is really mostly developed in a virtual machine right now. Hardware support on Serenity is severely lacking, and that's going to be a big stumbling block for it, is getting the drivers and and Wi-Fi and all that other stuff working on Serenity. They got a lot of work there to do. But that web browser is going to be is going to be something that they're going to have ironed out this next year. I am extremely optimistic on that. And regardless, we got haiku now, baby. So good. So good. Oh, it makes me happy. Not only because of the whole alternative operating system thing, but because it proves me right. <laughs> and I love being right, dog. I love making predictions and have them come true. I, my my uh, my batting average on that is decent. It's not perfect, 
but it's it, it's good. I, I need every single, you know, positive win I can get to get my batting average uh, up a little bit on that. Um, I, I uh, There was a couple of years where I did regular predictions and just nailed them, right? Like I was, I can't remember which year. This was, this was some years back, but I did, I posted my predictions. I did them during shows. And I said, here's the five things I think are going to happen this coming year. And I just nailed all of them, like three years in a row. And boy, did that make me cocky. I was like, oh yeah, baby, I got this. And then, and then I can't remember what year it was, but the the very next year, I want to say this was like four years ago or so, I made a series of like seven predictions. Every single one of them did not happen. <laughs> I, I got so cocky because I just nailed it several years in a row. And then swinging a miss on every single prediction that next year. So my, my, my batting average was like, like a hundred percent. Like I was just nailing it and then whiff. <laughs> That'll teach me <laughs> since then I've been up and down. Uh, but I, I, I could use all I can get to get my total average up and this one helped. So, uh, thank you to the haiku team for helping to prove me right. That's an important thing. I know and this is this is a personal message to all of you haiku developers out there, to, to Augustine, Waddle Splash, and all the rest of you. I know you put in all that hard work just so that I could be proven correct. And uh, it really paid off. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, they, they did a super job. Um, once Beta 4 is out... I recommend going and grabbing it and and testing it out. Throw on Gnome Web, uh, also known as Epiphany, put it on there and really give it a spin. I think I think you'll be truly pleasantly surprised at at how mature the whole experience is. Uh, it's not perfect, but really good and very very much usable. Very much usable. Um, all right, we have PDA Week going on right now. Uh, at the uh, the Lunduke Journal. So over at lunduke.locals.com, people are posting mostly about Palm Pilot stuff, but there's a little bit of Windows CE stuff, some Newton stuff, various things happening. Uh, I just posted an article about the Tandy Zoomer. If you if you haven't read that article, go check it out. The Tandy Zoomer is the coolest little PDA. It came before the Palm Pilot, like four years before the Palm Pilot. It came before the Apple Newton. It It was really... I mean, it wasn't the first handheld computer with like a pen input, but it was really the beginning of that form factor that led to the Palm Pilot and all the PDAs and realistically the smartphones beyond it. It was kind of that Genesis moment. And it was made by the guy who created the Palm Pilot, right? He was working at Grid Systems and Grid Systems got purchased by Tandy, who, which is a radio, the company that owned Radio Shack, right? And Tandy produced under the grid systems banner um, this 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 little machine and this the zoomer they called it and it was this cool little handheld it, it weighed close to a pound uh, but it was a handheld and not only did it have a nice GUI with pen input it was running on an x86 processor it was a PC it was a handheld PC it wasn't you know some embedded processor this was a full like 8088 CPU with a meg of RAM with 640k available running geos yeah it was awesome multi-threaded multitasking system with a networking stack seriously you could put PCMCIA networking cards in it modems in it and it had america online on this darn thing 
Yeah, for reals. It was amazing. Back in 1992, four years before the Palm Pilot. And the Palm Pilot didn't have half that stuff. It wasn't multitasking. It didn't have this amazing networking stack and these these totally rad PCMCIA networking and RAM expansion cards and everything else. This was amazing. The Zoomer was truly a... People say the phrase revolutionary device a little too loosely. This one was. It was amazing. A true, a true marvel. It it had some downsides. It had some problems, but boy, was it cool. Go read the article. It's over on lunduke.substack.com. I've got some more stuff lined up for PDA week as well, because honestly, I love handheld computing. It's just so much fun. And there was this period of time from like the late 80s through the late 90s. That, that full decade in there where people were trying all sorts of different things. Different companies were take different, taking different approaches to that handheld computing form factor and the different operating systems on them and everything. It was, it was almost a wild, wild west of computing. And it was just so fascinating and fun. And things like the Tandy Zoomer. They just have fallen off the radar for most people nowadays. It, was, it blew my mind. I, I posted that article. Like the first three responses to it I saw were, huh, how come I've never heard of this before? <laughs> and it's true. It's just, it's one of those pieces of computing history that, that was truly groundbreaking and yet flew under the radar for most people. There are articles about it. You can go in and check out articles in Byte Magazine and other places about them, but not that many. I mean, not as many as you'd think. There was the occasional, most of the articles about the Tandy Zoomer that you'll find, and if you really, if you really dig around, are articles comparing it to the Newton. Uh, there and there was a, a handful of other portable handheld-ish computer things at the time, and not none of them really gained that mass market traction like the Palm Pilot did back in '96, a few years later. Because the Apple Newton was a pretty remarkable machine in its own right. The Apple Newton message pad was an amazing machine. Was it as amazing as the Tandy Zoomer? I, I don't think so. I I love the look so much about the Apple Newton. It was it was amazing. It was stellar. But the the Tandy Zoomer just had so much going for it. Anyway, read the article, check it out, check out the screenshots. We've got screenshots of the applications and pictures of the hardware and all that over on lenduk.substack.com. Anyway, thank you to everyone for hanging out with me during PDA week and geeking out about all the, the PDA stuff. And and thank you for everyone who, who experienced haiku with me back during haiku week last month. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have another themed week coming in January. We're doing an 8-bit computing week. Well, that's going to be a lot of fun. I know a lot of people have already dusted off their, their Apple IIs and their 64s and everything just to get them ready. I'm, I'm excited for that one, too. Uh, that's that's going to be a load of fun. Uh, and thank you to all the subscribers. Thank you to everyone who helps to make the Lunduke Journal possible. You notice we don't have any ads. No ads. We don't track your data. We don't sell your email addresses. We don't do any of that stuff here. None of it. It's entirely supported by people like you. So if you haven't currently subscribed, go on over and subscribe. Go to lunduke.substack.com. Up on the top, there's a little little how to subscribe link. 
And it'll tell you all the different ways you can subscribe and give you links to all the goodies you get, which is like a billion goodies. And it, it's, it, it helps keep things afloat. Truly independent tech stuff journalism, whatever you want to call it, but it's completely independent and it's, and it's totally thanks to you that that's possible. So thank you to all of you. And I will say this before I head out. I, I didn't have anything else to say. <laughs> End of podcast.